and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. And it's the second part of our Thanksgiving preview show. Uh, Simon Clancy joins us to look over some of the big news from the NFL from the last few days, including the Hall of Fame semi-finalists being announced. Darrell Revis back in the league and a few other little bits and pieces picks up and signings and the fact that CJ Beathard is going to be starting in front of Jimmy Garoppolo loads for those guys to get to plus we'll preview the last two Thanksgiving games you're listening to The Grid We had a few technical issues with the show today, getting dialed in, getting it all sorted because we were all coming from different places. So coming up in uh, 20 or so minutes time, we'll be doing our, our Betfair exchange preview of the Thanksgiving games. Uh, before we get to that, the Gridiron Show in association with Touchdown Trips, getting you in the game. We're going to go through some of the latest NFL news. And to do so, I will hand you over to the incredibly capable Ollie Hunter and Simon Clancy. Incredibly capable. That is basically the... Uh, not quite backhanded compliment, but not not the, the the best thing I've ever said to anyone. Simon, how are you? Very well, Ollie. How are you? Haven't seen you for a few days. It's I've... been weird not seeing you every day, given our, uh, our mammoth trip to the US. Our together. proximity towards each other, and fi- and thankfully far away from the giant baby. But I've well... missed you, um, <laughs> and I finally got some sleep last night. Yeah, I did too, actually, bizarrely, last night. I woke up about... Uh, I've had real jet lag issues, like proper jet lag issues. Yeah. Um, I've been going to bed early. I've been feeling exhausted at work, falling asleep on the couch at home. Uh, and finally, last night, I got a decent night's sleep, although I woke up about five, uh, wide awake, but fortunately listened to a bit of Test Match Special and sort of there drifted back off to sleep, and I was I was all good. But it's been it's been difficult. It's, it, and it's People really don't understand weird. the lengths we go to. They don't understand. And <laughs> I've, what I found really weird, especially this time, and we spoke about it on the show yesterday, but especially this time compared to all the other times, like I've come back from the States quite a few times and never really felt like this. So for, for some reason, I think it may be the amount of travelling, although I did the trip last year. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I'm glad that I've finally got some sleep. I'm more pleased about you finally getting some sleep wow. as well. So that's the main thing. When I'm, I'm glad to see I'm not the only one, and you're not the only one. There's, there are more of us out there. Now, yesterday, Will and I uh, decided not to talk about the Hall of Fame stuff and uh, the, the the semi-finalists finalists being announced. And I thought, let's start there with Simon. So who are the main people in there, or the main players in there, that you think are the first first uh, ballot Hall of Famers and who, who will get voted straight in? And who are the surpri- surprise in- inclusions for you? Well, I think the I think the surprise inclusions would probably be Leslie O'Neill, the San Diego Chargers defensive end, and, and Simeon Rice. Um, both have got you know interesting cases, I think, but I'm not sure if either of them necessarily get in. I suppose the the locks for me would obviously be be Ray Lewis, and for me would be Randy Moss. I mean, mm. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I can't remember, and I was thinking about this when I saw the list. I I can't remember a list. Um, or I can't remember a wide receiver who had the impact that Randy Moss has had. Um, you know, his rookie year w- with the Vikings, I think, was the, the greatest single season I've ever seen from a wide receiver, just in terms of, you know, and we just don't see that these days. You look at you look at Terry Glenn, you know, the, the late Terry Glenn and his rookie season with the Patriots, and he was, you know, had a phenomenal season, catching sort of 90-plus passes. And But you look at the impact that Moss made, you know, especially as a kid that was, everybody was so concerned about he'd been kicked out of Florida State. Um, he went to Marshall and was fantastic. But you kind of thought, you know, this is still a raw guy. He's got great physical weapons, but he's not a 
refined route runner. And then all of a sudden, you, you look back at that rookie season, some of the some of the highlight catches. It was just phenomenal stuff in that Vikings offense. So, you know, and then he went to New England and had that that incredible season with yeah. the Patriots, where they lost eventually lost um, you know, to to the Giants. I think in in the regular season they ended up going fifteen and one, and then lost in the Super Bowl. But that season he was just absolutely incredible. And you know, people talk about Terrell Owens, but. I think to me, Randy Moss would be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Ray Lewis, obviously, that that's kind of unquestioned. Um, and I suppose the surprise guys would be, would be as I mentioned, O'Neill and 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 Simeon Rice. One guy that I think has a very interesting case is Everson Walls, the the, the Dallas tight end, uh, the Dallas tight end, the Dallas cornerback, who um, who uh, I think led the league three times in in interceptions. I think he's going to have a very very interesting case in terms of whether or not he gets in. You know, it's one of those kind of you know. There's a lot of Leroy Butler's in there as well, and, and Butler had obviously a great career with the with the Packers. It'll be very interesting. One, you know, there's not enough safeties, not enough defensive backs in the Hall of Fame, and I think it'll be very interesting to see whether one of those guys gets in. And I think Walls potentially for me might just be one of those guys that that, that sneaks in. Are there enough tackles in there? Because friend of the show, Tony Baselli. Um, the, the the legendary Jags offensive tackle. It's his third time. We all thought last year when we spoke to him at the Super Bowl that he was he was a shoe in to get the gold jacket. Do you think it could happen this time? I, I think it could. And what's interesting is that what's interesting is that you look at. I mean, you look at guys like Steve Hutchinson as well. You know, Baselli who had that short career. You look at you know. Terrell Davis changed the dynamic of the Hall of Fame last year in that uh, a guy with a short career finally made it. You know, Tony Baselli was as good as at his position as Terrell Davis was at his, and Baselli played for two years longer. So I think that I, I think that Baselli probably gets in. Steve Hutchinson would be the one for me that probably, you know, maybe deserves to get in more so in that he, you know, five-time first-team All-Pro in twelve seasons. Alan Fanica is another, you know, absolutely outstanding. You know, really, all three of them deserve to be in there. But I, I suspect if one of the three gets in, it will be Baselli, just because I suppose left tackles are slightly, you know, there's a, a little bit more um, kudos at that kind of left tackle position as there is than there is for for anywhere else. But you know, Terrell Davis played what 78 games. Baselli played 91, and I can remember the, the week after. Derek Thomas had his seven sack game against the or the six sack game against the Seahawks in in ninety eight. Baselli played against Derek Thomas for the Jags, uh, and I think Thomas had one tackle, no sacks, one tackle. And the only tackle that he had in the game came when he played against the right tackle because he was so disillusioned by playing against Baselli. I mean, that was utter domination <laughs> of probably the best defensive end I've ever seen. You know, so I think yeah, Baselli probably deserves to be in there. He would he would get my vote. Were I a voter. And you should be. I think you should I th- be. I mean, I think it's an absolute outrage that I'm not. There, do you know what? There should be one for British press. I don't uh, know. Absolutely. They, 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 yeah, because... The it, gridiron vote, you know, should count. I think we need to push uh, David Tossel for that. Anyway, uh, we'll move on. A, a player who probably, when he does retire, retire Darrell Revis, might become a, a Hall of Famer. Um, after that year going back to, to the Patriots. I, I think he will be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, exactly. Going to the Patriots, uh, getting a Super Bowl there, and then returning back to the Jets. It didn't quite work out for him last season, and he's been out of contracts ever since until the Kansas City Chiefs have picked him up on a on a deal um, over the last couple of days. Is that the right move for him and right move for the Chiefs? Apparently he's in great shape. And, you know, the Chiefs are, you know, the Chiefs have... Need a little bit of help in that in that area. I think they're 28th against the pass. You know, heading into the game on Sunday against the Bills, 
Marcus Peters has played very well. Steven Nelson's been starting, but as you know, I think they've struggled a little bit. Nelson struggled a little bit, and that kind of rotation of sort of Terence Mitchell and Philip Gaines and Kenneth Acker as the third corner has really been a, a been an issue. And and I think they need to stem the tide of kind of big plays that have happened in the past game. And you know, you're talking about one of the all-time great players of that position. I think it was, you know, it's not going to be long for Andy Reid and uh, and the Chiefs to get him into a position where he can play at a fairly high level. The concern would be the way he fell off a cliff at the back end of, you know, his last go-around with the, with the Jets. But actually, you know, rumour is that he looks in fantastic physical shape. And, you know, Bob Sutton is a great defensive coordinator. He was, the, you know, on the Jets staff for the early portion of Revis's career, you know, in New York. So I think there's a familiarity with the way that the two, th- two pl- with the coach and the player that, you know, how they do mm. things. I, I think it will be, you know... He's a veteran guy that apparently looks in great shape. He's been moving around really well, and he's going to come in and probably help that unit. I mean, he's 32, and I think he probably had his worst season in 2016 with the Jets, but I I think we might be surprised at how well he does play because 30, 32 isn't that old for a corner, and given that his fall seemed to be so dramatically quick, almost to the point where it was false do you see what i mean yeah well i think there's a no one really played well in the 2016 jets uniform and i know a position that he plays it's very easy to spot the deficiencies and almost as much as uh being a quarterback you can see when the quarterback goes and almost when um a player in in revis's position cornerback where you know defensive back you can see when when that when he will go but Give him another go, see what he's like in Kansas City. And also, I think when they lost um, Eric Berry, they lost a real talisman and a real, uh, you know, a load of experience in that backfield. It's a lot of young players, absolutely. A lot of young players. They've uh, they've been one and four over the last five games. So they need someone to come in and kind of uh, have a cool cool head amongst those Absolutely. young players. I mean, they've also allowed 36 passes of 20 yards or more. Only four teams have yielded more all season. So, you know, there's clearly some sort of issue back there. And, you know, the young guys have done a nice job, but it's not been nice enough. And actually, you know, Revis could be, you know, a decent fit into that. And like you say, replace that sort of leadership yeah. role that Eric Berry has, you know, because, you know, Peters is a great player, but he's not a he's not a leader of men. You know, he's still a very immature kind of guy. He's had his issues off the field and some on the field. So, you know, I, I think this is a win-win signing for the Chiefs. Now, you said 32 years old isn't old in the NFL. What about 37? Uh, Dwight Freeney, uh, the man of the spin move, has been cut by the Seahawks and then immediately picked up by the Lions. He may come into today's game against the Minnesota Vikings, the Thanksgiving game, the early game at 5.30. Is that a good move by both the Seahawks to get rid of him and then the Lions to then pick him up? I think it's a dreadful move by the Seahawks. I, I really didn't understand that move at all. Um, you know, and the, the Seahawks games that I've seen when he's come into the rotation, he's done really well. He's had got a lot of pressures. You look at the film and he's played, you know, the, the role that he was brought into play at a very, very high level. And I, I, I frankly found it astonishing that Seattle let him go. And, I, you know, for the Lions, I think that's, you know, they're, they're essentially picking up a Hall of Fame defensive end who can still play in a rotational system that spin move is still fierce uh you know so in terms of you know somebody who can play opposite um Ziggy Ansar in obvious passing situations I think it's an absolutely perfect pickup it's um I really really didn't understand 
why Seattle would get rid of him. I really didn't understand it. it to me, it was just a kind of a, a baffling decision. I'm confused by by by, by how it's played. I mean, especially you know, when their defense is um, picking up injuries and and um, porous in conceding so many points and and uh, okay their run defense is pretty good but they need they need the pass rush and it's weird that they get rid of him like that yeah i mean look he had four games three sacks four hits four tackles for a loss in 100 snaps i mean that to me is you can't complain about that of course you can't of course you can't so you know more power to the more power to the to the lions for, for picking him up but i just um I don't know. It, it makes no sense. What you know? Some of the Seattle coaching decisions in the last few days have yes. made little sense to me. Let's leave it at that. But what a great game that was! What a fantastic! Oh game. man, fantastic! I game. mean, we had the Rams 49ers game on thir- Thursday night football earlier on in the season, but it was yeah. two at the at the time we didn't know the Rams were going to be any good. Absolutely. And the 49ers we knew were going to be rubbish. But this game was probably the best prime time game between two yeah, good teams that we've seen all season. Now, can you make any sense of this move? The New England Patriots gave two picks to the Seahawks mm. to acquire Cassius Marsh in September, but they've waived the pass rusher who's since been picked up by the 49ers. So what's going on there? It's one of those moves that the Patriots get no criticism for because they do well when it comes to winning games, ultimately. You know, I, I think the Patriots make it, you know, and, and Sherry's obviously not here with his rose-tinted spectacles, yeah. but um, I think the Patriots make some interesting personnel decisions and some interesting <laughs> drafting decisions that they get less criticised for because they win games and you know ultimately it's all about winning uh, giving up a fifth and a seventh round pick for Cassius Marsh in itself I, I, I thought was fairly bizarre I mean you know he'd started one game uh, in his career in Seattle three sacks it's fine but you know and, and maybe they saw something in him that he could become a rotational pass rusher that you know a bit like um a bit like the guy whose name completely escapes me, white guy, war number 50, uh, Rob Ninkovich. You yes. know, that kind of, yeah. you know, vet, not veteran, but somebody, you know, who knows the game has played in a in a in an upfield pass rushing system, but also disciplined enough to be able to defend the run. But I thought it was an odd decision to give out those picks. And it clearly has, you know, half a season in, it hasn't worked. And, you know, he's been, you know, to me, he's just a guy, you know. And yeah. Whether or not he, um, whether or not he has any success with the Forty ers remains to be seen. But for me, he's you know, if he's still playing in the NFL in three years' time, I'd be mildly surprised. You can tell Will curated this news for me because the next bit of uh, news is the Forty ers uh, <laughs> are looking to start C.J. Bethard against the Seahawks this weekend. Will we ever see Jimmy Garoppolo in a Forty ers jersey this year? Bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I don't know, get it. I don't get it either. I mean, you give up what you give up for Garoppolo. You know who's going to be a free agent, uh, and you're not going to get. I mean, at what point are Seattle going to get uh, San Francisco? A going to get a chance to see him. B, how's that contract negotiation going? You know, there were some rumours a, a little while ago that they were going to, you know, not sign him and let him go. It's bizarre. You know, they've they've acquired an exciting new player, a kind of their, their franchise quarterback for the future, and they can't get him on the field. You know, in, in a way, it's a good thing. You know, you know, they're not being impatient, and they're you know, they're seeing Bethard you know, a rookie quarterback who they quite liked. And, you know, I know Shanahan was a really big fan of his, his coming out. But, um, yeah, it seems odd, you know, especially since Shanahan said he, you know, considered this, the decision last week through the 49ers bye. And, you know, you have a bye week. You think Garoppolo is going to be ready at that point. But apparently he's not entirely ready. And Bethard, you know, played well in the in their last game where they beat the Giants. So, I suppose, who knows? Yeah, I suppose stick with you him know. and... Uh, 
it's strange if he goes into some of those other quarterback needy teams like the Green Bay Packers for instance if they had traded for him yeah. he would have been playing straight away Absolutely. so I mean I suppose that's necessity and Shanahan's looking at the 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 broader and bigger picture but hey ho right we've run out of time but I just want to quickly ask you well I want to say happy Thanksgiving to you oh Simon. you too mate and <laughs> enjoy your I really will I really will what's your favourite piece of the Thanksgiving uh, ensemble oh in terms of the in terms of the culinary ensemble, yeah, yeah, the, the culinary uh, ensemble. Literally, a turkey cooked inside a chicken, cooked inside a duck. It's, that's outstanding. The turducken. Yeah, man. I mean, also cranberry sauce. Do you know what? And I'm, I'm, I love this. Last night I had uh, chicken with apricots and nice. chili and ginger and garlic and stuff, and it's gorgeous. Nice. And I don't understand why people don't like fruit. Oh, I love fruit with meat. Oh, okay. You know, apple like, on meat is yeah, nice. Yeah. Cranberries astonishingly good cranberry is outstanding it makes me want a roast dinner for my lunch Chris well I, I should think at the BBC canteen they do roast dinner every day right mate come on <laughs> I, I love okay okay fair enough but um, for Christmas we once had good ducken ah oh. goose goose man all three cooked together all well it's a duck inside a that's astonishing inside a what's the a good ducken yeah Goose, duck, chicken. Yeah, duck inside a chicken inside a goose. Wow. It was it was incredible because goose is so good. I don't think I've ever had goose. Oh, man, get a good ducking for Christmas. I might just get a goose. Just get a goose, goose it. Plus, you get to use the pota- the, 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 the goose fat on the roast potatoes. Nice. Yeah. Good shout. Instead of having to buy a tin of it. Well, exactly, or, or a, a little jar. Jar of it, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Good food chat. Simon... I'm a big fan of yours. I'm a massive fan of yours. Yeah, we'll leave all of that in. We'll leave all of that in. Uh, thanks for joining us, mate. And, uh, no worries, bud. Enjoy the games uh, today. You too, mate. Looking forward to them. Ollie, what a sterling job you and Simon Clancy did of the news. The omni-shambles that is the technology <laughs> involved in how we do this appears to be now working. Uh, so we can preview the final two, uh, final two Thanksgiving games uh, in association with Betfair and Betfair Exchange. Don't forget that the Betfair Exchange si- have a sign-up offer for new customers. Bet £20 and they'll refund you as cash if you lose, which is key because versus most betting services, they just refund you as a free bet. This refunds you as cash. So you've got basically a free £20 bet on your Thanksgiving games tonight. And on the Betfair Exchange, they'll be offering a 0% commission for all markets for the matches taking place on Thanksgiving. That, inv- that includes the 1am game, the Giants-Washington game as well, because that's going to be um, that's in the US time zone on Thanksgiving. So uh, if you don't understand how the Betfair Exchange works, go back to our last podcast. We did break it down in some depth. So for this, we'll just we preview to, the games I was in it. and get and <laughs> yeah basically we I, I didn't want to say it but well done mate Thanks, um but yeah we we will uh we will just go through the games basically and then we will uh we will we'll get, just give the odds at the end and uh, and let you know what we reckon you should go for i like right? that i like that a lot i like that you like that i like that doing that probably means we should talk about Kirk Cousins first but I don't want to uh, so let's let's kick off talking about the we do we 
we previewed Vikings Lions already by the time you listed. That game's probably even started. Uh, hopefully, that's the way you're you're approaching your coverage. So, the second game of the evening, the Los Angeles Chargers traveling to AT and T Stadium to face off with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Chargers coming off that massive 54-24 win over the Buffalo Bills. Casey Haywards, two of those five interceptions, a horrific first start start for Buffalo rookie quarterback Nate Peterman. I mean, we've talked about that and and. From a Bills perspective, we'll talk about it in more depth when we preview the weekend's games tomorrow. But you know, from a Chargers perspective, even though you've been given a lot of short field and you've had those interceptions, you still have to turn it into points. And offensively, they were fantastic uh, on uh, on uh, Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, to put a 50-burger up on any team is, is a feat in itself, but they've got everything everything moving that they've got Melvin Gordon and uh, and Austin Eckler running the ball really well catching the ball out of the, the backfield uh, their wide receiver wise Keenan Allen is is quietly having a really really good year backed up by Tyree Tyrell Williams and and, and uh, Taylor Higby and, and all of the, that supporting cast they are quietly having a really really good year so, I mean, Los Angeles might be four and six on the season. And, and I, I know Matt Sherry still thinks they're the third best team in the AFC, which I think is unfair on on the Jags. But 429 yards of total offense, including 146 on the ground. That could be massively key against a Cowboys side who have now lost back-to-back games by 20-plus points, have only scored 16 points through their last two as Philadelphia went in their building. And... It went in, as we heard on on our show on Talk Sport, 9-7 at the half. Cowboys looking really good defensively. And then the second half collapse, Ollie, was it due to uh, the Eagles shaking off the cobwebs? Do you think the Dallas Cowboys uh, kind of lost it on defense? How, how did you kind of perceive that? Well, I said it at the time. I think it was the Eagles shaking off the cobwebs. Um, they, they just seemed to abs- – everything seemed to click. And the Cowboys had no real answer. Now, because of the lack of Sean Lee in their defense, and he's the guy that is marshalling everyone, and everyone raises their game up to his level because he is one of the best linebackers and ball-hawking linebackers and run-stoppers and drops into pass protection really well. He does everything really, really well. That brings everyone else up. Without him, there's there's an absolutely massive hole which everyone else can't fill. So it was a combination of the Eagles' uh, offense being wonderfully balanced and going up against the defense without its talisman, without its leader, and not playing very well. And when you've got the offense not being able to put anything together against that very, very good Eagles defense, it was just a, a recipe for disaster for the Cowboys. Now... When it comes to just to tell you on the injury front, yeah, just to tell you on the injury front, Sean Lee still going to be missing for tonight. Not expected back uh, till next week at least, and it may be longer than that. But massively, and and when you were saying about the offense not being able to put it together, three interceptions for Dak Prescott again, holding on to the ball for too long. They couldn't rely on the run game. And the thing is, Alfred Morris didn't have a bad game last weekend. Alfred Morris still still kind of got decent yards per carry, still played reasonably well. But the difference is with Alfred Morris, when he gets a three-yard gain because there's a bit of a stuff at the line, Ezekiel Elliott will carry that pile another two or three yards. And that makes all the difference when you're looking at kind of down and distance. And big, big, big news is that Tyron Smith will play tonight. 
it's That's down huge. to how fit he is as to I, I think that it's weird to think of a tackle as a safety blanket, but for what that means for uh, what that means for him in particular, for Dak in particular, because Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram coming off the edge for the Chargers. If he hadn't had Tyron Smith there, I'd be talking about the Chargers covering a 30 point spread and sacking him five plus times. But with Tyron Smith back, you, you just feel they've got a chance. Joey Bosa accounted for four out of the five uh, interceptions. So he applied pressure on Peterman four out of five times. The other time, I can't, I can't remember what it was, but four out of those five times, it was all down to Bosa. He also sacked Pe- uh, sacked the quarterback once as well. So Bosa is having an incredible season. Couple that with Melvin Ingram. I don't even think of a fit, fully fit Tyron Smith would fully be able to cope with the likes of, of uh, Bosa and Ingram. So a guy that's coming off a, a, an injury, he's missed a couple of weeks, I worry for that offensive line. I worry for Dak Prescott. So I think that could be a... a I know he's back, but he is nursing injury. I think that could be a, a bit of a game changer there. Yeah, ma- massively so. And Dallas, the other thing here is that they've come off a, a two-game losing streak. The Chargers just snapped a two-game losing streak of their own. And, and sometimes short week... In your own building, it's going to be emotional. They're, they're obviously used to playing Thanksgiving, but yeah. they know that their season is essentially on the line tonight. You just think that Dallas should be able to pull something out in that situation. But with them only scoring 16 points over the last two games, and with that Chargers pass rush, I mean, as it currently stands, the Chargers are just one-point favourites. And as we talked about the other day on Betfair, you can adjust the line upwards. Because if you're just going to look at them at one-point favourites, you might as well take them on the money line. They currently sit at one Point eight nine, which is going to be about ten to eleven, while the Cowboys are eleven to ten, so represents slightly better value. But honestly, uh, looking at it as we're speaking now, you can get that Chargers line up to three plus four plus, and still get odds there. So I would seriously consider that because I think the Chargers, I think they're going to win handily tonight. I think they'll win by a touchdown at least. Do you know what I agree with you? Three and a half points is. 2.1 which equates to around about 11 to 10 and I think that's that's very decent and uh, the Chargers especially they're full of confidence and the Cowboys are utterly the opposite and that really does play into uh, have, a, have a factor into it especially in a short week like you said I was at AT&T Stadium last year for the Thanksgiving game against Washington a game that everyone thought that Washington um, could actually do something could actually do do something. I know the char- the the, the Cowboys uh, were on a real hot streak, and they really pushed the Cowboys um, all the way. Actually, it was a it was a cracking game. So it's not like the the Cowboys have made Thanksgiving in, in and in their own building a, a fortress and impregnable and all of that. I think. Do, the Cow- I think do you know? But do you know what's quite interesting about that? This is sorry, just to come back to go that. On, go on. Is that and this is this is this is where betting sometimes uh, can inform you, even just as a fan who's maybe picking on Gridiron Pickham, but not looking to put any money on the game. Um, the Cowboys in their last sixteen games at home against teams with losing record are just four and twelve against the spread. So only on four occasions have they managed to cover whatever the spread is against a losing team at home. It just kind of shows you that Dallas. The at t Stadium isn't a fortress, that it isn't somewhere where they get a huge home advantage. The only thing I'd say is the Chargers aren't filling their home stadium this year. I don't know how many Chargers road fans you're going to see turn up at at t for Thanksgiving when they could be at home with their families. 
you say that though, but it 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 would be a good opportunity for them to go to. I'm going to say it, the best stadium in the NFL that I've been to, and I've been I went to um, the Falcons Mercedes Benz Stadium last well, a couple of weeks ago with you. I think AT and T is more impressive. There's a better atmosphere, especially when it's full. <laughs> It's an opportunity for Chargers fans to go out there and, and uh, see their team play on Thanksgiving, uh, make a real day of it with the whole family. Why not? Um, what are you? Th- what are your thoughts on the over under, Will? So the over-under on Betfair is currently set at 47 as the standard. You can obviously, again, go up and down on that. 47 uh, looks like it's around about bang on. You can get two, which is evens on the, uh, on the under, the over 1.92. But I think because of how low scoring the Cowboys have been recently, if I'm taking anything, I'm taking the under. 47 points. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, of the Chargers last, let's see, last five And then consider that even though they did put up points on offense, it was with a lot of short field. You're talking about Philip Rivers only had to throw for 250-odd yards despite putting 50 points up. If you only see 50 points up, you expect a 500-600-yard you know, yeah. total offense game. Yeah, of, of the last five games that the Chargers have played, only one of them, and that was last week's game against the Bills where it was um, an absolute blowout and then the Bills got some gunk time at the end, gunk, gunk uh, points at the end. Of those five games, four of them haven't got to over 47 points. So for, they, they haven't even got to 40 points. So I'm taking the under on that. I might even adjust it even more on Betfair Exchange uh, to see how much oh, more I can oh. go under. Filthy, filthy. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's let's turn to our attention to. Let me just see. I could go to. Four... <laughs> I'm getting excited about it. I could go to forty-five and a half points uh, to get. Go and set your own market, mate. 11, uh, 11 to ten. Uh, let's um, let's turn our attentions to the late game now. Uh, our Thanksgiving preview with Betfair Exchange, and it is the New York Football Giants taking on uh, Washington in FedEx Field. Uh, Injury is kind of a massive factor here because Washington, again, are going to be without... um are going to be without Chris Thompson now for the rest of the season. Terrell Pryor is uh, no longer available. Uh, we're not going to see Jordan Reed. The, his issues are keeping him out for another week, although I think Vernon Davis has been quite impressive through the last couple of weeks. And with the Giants getting that surprise 12-9 to win over the Chiefs on, uh, on Sunday, and, and most importantly, restricting them they only had 363 total yards uh, they only had uh, f- 22 first downs to new york's 20 held them out of the end zone it's finally the giants defense showing up that we expected to see at the start of the season even though i when i look at this game uh, my initial thoughts were washington touchdown favorites i would take that is there any thought that with the Giants' defense showing up on Sunday and Washington losing that big lead, this could be a bit tighter than we expect? I don't know. I don't know because with with, with Washington, you do have that that receiving core that looks really even without um, even without Terrell Pryor, it looks okay, looks decent. Doxson and Crowder have played really well. Jordan reads out. That means Vernon Davis comes in, and when Vernon Davis uh, is been deputising for Jordan Reed. He's put up big numbers. It hasn't necessarily got into the end zone, but perhaps you could expect that against the Giants. The Giants, they're still a bad football team. I think that they stifled the Chiefs. The weather wasn't great, and the Chiefs played down to the Giants' level. Uh, I can't see that happening in, in, in um, Washington later on today. 
And, and, I, and here's, here's something to consider as well about that Washington loss at the weekend. Yes, they came from fifth, they, the New Orleans came from 15 points down. It was very impressive. I watched that game back as a priority earlier this week as one of my kind of I always try and watch two or three games in full on Game Pass and then try and see everything else in condensed if I can, if I get time. Um, Washington and Kirk Cousins, I think, was the better quarterback for 57 minutes of that game. I'd Drew Brees proved that he can put a team on his back and that he can uh, get a big turnaround. He can still do it. He can still throw the ball. But Kirk Cousins had one of his best games this season, maybe his best game this season. Showed real toughness in the pocket. Showed a real poise in the pocket as well. Moved, found his receivers. And even with those injuries concerns in there. Yeah, I, I, I don't I like. I, I'm probably trying to sell it a little bit more than I should be. Washington favoured by a touchdown. I, I'm taking them to, to cover the spread at 2.06, 21 to 20 equivalent. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking that all day. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you. I'll take that all day as well. <laughs> Good. I'm sorry. Glad I, to know I, that it, we are so in agreement. <laughs> yeah, unlike the last one. <laughs> uh, the over-under a little tougher on this one. At 45 points, the line. And um, the Giants' offense is so bad that it kind of comes back to what I was saying about the, the game with the Cowboys. Short week tends to see less points. The Giants on the road, I can't imagine scoring a lot. It's really down to if Washington can rely on Samaje P. Ryan to, to dominate the time of possession battle and, and to kind of, uh, if they can keep these long five, six, seven minute drives going and then get a score at the end of them, well, then they only need three or four touchdowns to win the game. Whereas if the running game's not working, it might be a bit more quick strike, so we might see it higher scoring. I think I'm still leaning under, though. I think I'm still leaning under. Do you know what? I think I might take the over. I'll take the over. Ooh. Uh, that is. You get better value. It's better value. That's it's at 2.02 evens. On the over, 2. evens. Yeah. So I'll take the over because uh, it's a late game under the lights. Uh, Washington have played really well. Uh, I remember the game against uh, the Raiders. They pl- they played really well. Lots of points scored in that game uh, under the lights. I know they had Chris Thompson who had a, a stellar game, but I quite like the I quite like what Washington do on offense. Sammy J P Ryan uh, should have a good day. The Chiefs running backs had a good day against the Giants last week. Byron Ma- Marshall's been brought in. Uh, the former Patriot has been brought in from the Eagles practice squad uh, to to help P Ryan. So I quite like that. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, it's it's a it's a little it's a sneaky one, but I'm gonna take the over. Beautiful, look, mate. Um, top top work with uh, Simon Clancy on the news. We managed to pull this one out. I need to go and get it out there. But before we do so, we, we are you still cool for tomorrow to do an actual uh, rest of the weekend Sunday preview? Just straight up, no, no, not with our friends at the Betfair Exchange. And do remember, please gamble responsibly. But uh, yeah, are you still available tomorrow to do a chat? I love that we're doing this on live on air. Yes, I am. Perfect. So do get on Betfair Exchange. A reminder, new customers, that £20 sign-up, a free bet, essentially, because if you lose on your first £20 bet, you'll get it back in cash, not in a free bet for the website. And uh, they're offering 0% commission on all these Thanksgiving games. So please gamble responsibly. But if you're going to do it, get on Betfair Exchange to do it. Um, Ollie. any final thoughts, Mon Brave? Well, uh, you'll have heard that uh, I spoke to Simon Clancy about his favourite things about a Thanksgiving meal. What's yours? I mean, if, if we're going... The problem is is that the Thanksgiving meal is very similar to a Sunday roast. So, uh, you know, straight up turkey stuffing, all that stuff is great. What I like is when you can get the stuff on Thanksgiving that you wouldn't normally get either at Christmas 
or on a normal Sunday roast. So forgetting, you know, a great roast potato, which is generally the best thing on a roast, forgetting the gravy, which is generally one of the best things on a roast. I, I look forward to things like the yams, things mm, like yeah. um, uh, things like pumpkin pie. Love a bit of cinnamon. Love a bit of spice in a in a in a, a pudding. Pie so a Thanksgiving thing. You pe- pecan pie very much a Thanksgiving oh. thing. So I'm I'm all about the kind of stuff that you wouldn't normally get at, at Christmas. That's what I'm going to be loading up on tonight uh, when we're uh, we're going out. Um, I've, I've I've been to the gym this morning. I've done a bit of yoga as well. Oh mate, so, uh, I'm, I'm so uh, pleased. I'm already. I'm ready to eat. <laughs> Although Simon Class is going to be very disappointed in me when he sees how much I plan to eat tonight. I'm going to undo two days of very good work. Yeah, but then <laughs> you'll, you'll have to then redo it. And that's the whole point, Will. And we're proud of you that you're doing it. You're a great guy, Mate, big that's guy. that's very kind. You're a great did guy. You see we did, have one, did you see we did have one tweet from somebody who said um, uh, they were going to get a pizza last night, but were inspired by Will Gavin to, no. get the, to eat a salad instead. <laughs> That's in, <laughs> honestly, that is incredible. <laughs> I mean, I would have just ordered the pizza. That's the problem. Uh, I, I, I feel bad that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm for, like, Do you know what? I, forcing I'm gonna, people out of getting I'm pizza. I'm going to admit something to you now. I'm a pizza snob. I don't Chris like... Chris Lynham. Felt like pizza tonight. Then, uh, then Will Gav and At Grid Iron Podcast convinced me to be healthy. Pasta it is. Hashtag also saved money. Great guy, Chris Lynham. And, and uh, pizza, when you order it out, actually is rubbish. It's rubbish. Think about it. If you go to a pizza place and sit down and have pizza, it's always 100,000 times more nicer. That's not correct way for English. But more nicer, great yeah, word. It's 100,000 times nicer than if you order it out from those that ordering it. I'm not even giving them the publicity. You know the ones. I, I think they're crap. And it's crap uh, food, Will Gavin, and I'm glad you're staying away from it. <laughs> there is actually half a cold pizza in my fridge from where I went for pizza for my last night treat before I started this diet health kick. I uh, saw that and, yesterday, uh, I and I, to... I wanted a piece. But that's not the point. I, need... I should have just given it to you, because it's probably going to just end up getting thrown out now unless Sarah eats it. So, yeah. I'm going to go and eat some couscous and some kale and some grilled chicken for lunch. Uh <laughs> God, what have I become? <laughs> right. Um, oh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. At Gridiron on Twitter. We'll be live tweeting through Thanksgiving, and we'd love to hear from you. Another podcast tomorrow, three in three days. What a treat for you, previewing the weekend's games. Ollie, any final non-Thanksgiving food-related thoughts? Uh, oh, I love the Ashes last night. It was great. Uh, who stays up to watch sport that late at night mugs Uh, (laughs) otherwise thank you so much for listening this has been the gridiron show